show back in the day when it was new. So I, I mean, that that's just wait. I was more. Are I was watching more. the same same Shaman King because mine came out in twenty twenty one. Yeah, this one came out. This is the new one. There was a there was an old one that. Um, oh really? That guy that didn't follow the story of the comic, and this one's the new one that just fall. It's they're giving the Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood treatment to this show. I like the main character. Oh yo. The no, not the little twerpy one. The uh, the shaman himself. Yeah, yo. Yeah, I like him. Kind of reminds me of Kino in some ways. Just creepy. I never noticed how androgynous he looked, and then getting to that. Ugh. I was yeah. I spent a good part of the first episode trying to figure out his gender. Well, the fact that he was wearing a shirt, open open collar shirt, well, then that doesn't really mean anything in anime. Never mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, he wasn't exceptionally busty, so that should give you a hit. Uh, well, <laughs> he was also, like, possibly 14. That doesn't mean anything in anime either. You know that, right? I know, but, like, it just means that, like, he didn't have to be busty, you know? So, I mean, his wife, future fiance, wasn't that way, and that was a girl. Wait, she did show up at the end of episode two, right? I must have ruined something. Crap. Uh, hey, welcome to uh, episodes, uh, episode three, season two, Emmy for all uh, podcast. <laughs> I may have at made y'all quit. Nope, no, he didn't. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I said anything that probably shouldn't have, but um, this, no, she uh, showed up in she showed up in this epi- in episode two. Okay, <laughs> I was I was not saying anything to make you uncomfortable. Well, you did a good job of that, but um, episode three of the Amy for All podcast, season two, we're uh, going to be talking about. Uh, episode the next the latest episode of My Hero Academia. Also, powdering at the end, um, reviewing Shaman King. Finally, finally, uh, episodes one and two, and then we'll continue with that process next week. If the My Hero episode isn't anything substantial that we could talk about for an entire hour, so um, with that being said, we're going we're going to go on with My Hero first because that's the main topic for anybody who wants to listen to this and then leave because they don't have interest in Shaman King. Here you go. Um, we pretty much. You make it sound so tempting. Yeah, I'm pretty sure some has already quit already. <laughs> I mean, everybody's everybody's butt cheeks are fully clenched right now for the Shaman King thing because you just made it like amazing. I just like it because of the nostalgia, but that's just me. I grew up at a time when that show was on Fox Kids. What did you yes. like so much about it? I just like the idea of the spirits and shamans. I I was uh. Very interested in the show just based on that because I just like the art and how the fights went. Mm-hmm. It wasn't at the time; it wasn't a typical shonen. But we're not gonna talk about that right now because we're talking about my hero. <laughs> Is it? Do you think? <laughs> when did it come out? Shaman King. Uh, yeah. I can look up that real quick. You're not doing a very the, good job. The original run was like nine ninety eight. Nineteen ninety eight. 
Yeah, the original roll was 1998. So basically, they were just riding on the Pokemon wave. No, this really didn't have anything similar. I, I mean, you can make the argument a Guardian Ghost, but that, other than that, they didn't capture multiple. They didn't capture multiple ghosts as far as I can remember. I don't remember a lot of the original anime because I watched it all in one go one summer, and I don't remember much of it. And I, They're I, I, literally having at... Pokemon battles with ghosts. I wouldn't consider that a Pokemon battle because Pokemon battles aren't as like almost killing you in this situation. I choose you, Samurai. Yeah, Samurai uses slash attack. No, the idea of a shaman is that they're uh, letting the ghosts inhabit their body. You can't do that with Pokemon. They're literally announcing their attack and saying slash attack. He didn't do a slash attack. But he didn't name it slash attack before I can remember. Yeah, he I thought it was a, it was a samurai who had like a samurai attacks. And I don't know if they're really yelling them or not, mainly because I think it's in their in their mind. I could be wrong. No, I, know, were, I know I know does yell. They do not say slash attack. That I do remember. They say slash attack. No, they don't. That I remember. This other spinoff, oh sh- this, this spinoff manga of Shaman King I don't know about? What the world? That, okay, that, that show, that, like, that manga really had a... Um... I'm just looking right now. Let's see. I think was that is that the manga that I, I saw? Yeah, that's that's the manga run. Ran from ninety eight to two thousand four. Not a long run. The power of a shushaman, one hundred percent integration. Chinese slap. Sorry, Chinese slash dance. He doesn't say slash attack. He says Chinese slash dance. Episode two, around 12 minute mark, is one of the three or four times that he says Chinese slash dance out loud, announcing his attack. Uh, I guess my question is, you want, you want to talk about this? You want to talk about Shaman King now and away from my hair at the end or what, what do you want to do? I want you to tell me that I'm right, and then we can go back over to uh, my hero. I don't see this show as a Pokemon clone or anything like that, because this show has different <laughs> ideas altogether. That's just me, and that's just me being serious. Like, I don't see any real similarities. You could make you can make all the joke. Wait, what? All I'm saying. Video games, trading card game, many types of Shaman King merchandise. Wait, what? When did this? When was this a thing? Why does thing have a? Dang, this thing must have been riding off the whole every show must have a trading card game thing. Yep. It was riding off Pokemon. I don't see that many similarities. The only similarities I could see is like the whole Guardian Ghost thing, but the only ha- as far as I remember, each character who is a shaman only has a shop has one ghost. Mm-hmm. And they basically fuse with them. That's why the other shaman's trying to get his ghost. Yeah, but I, from what I remember, he doesn't get him. 
And he never gets him. I think at some point, I think he can okay, clearly but if see. He did ha- if he did get him, he would have how many ghosts? Two, but I think he might two. have more considering. Now, I'm, if, now, wait, 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 wait. Just is two equal to one or is two more than one? Two is more than one, but from the way he made it oh. seem like he wanted, he wanted to steal him and use him himself. He so wanted he to get would rid have of more. He, he wanted to get rid of Basson. One ghost. I think he made. I think he made it quite obvious that he wanted to get rid of his own ghost. <laughs> if you want to like play, if you want, if you want to play that game, I think he made it obvious that he wanted to get rid of his own ghost. Then why didn't he just offer to trade ghosts instead of saying, "Give me your ghost"? Because he doesn't like yo. He, he already makes yo. that. He 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 already. So he from the first interaction in that episode, he made it clear he did not like him. He also if made he fun of him like, because if he was just like, do you want to trade ghosts? I'm not using mine. Yeah, I don't think based on what I know about yo at this point in the series, I don't think he would. Regardless, like I said before, he doesn't like him. He's already made that quite clear. He doesn't even if he doesn't really know him all that well, based on his interaction with him. He doesn't like him. He spends the entire episode mocking him, saying you can't be friends with your ghost. They're just tools. He literally mm-hmm. goes the entire episode mocking him. At that I point, I don't think he has any... <laughs> I thought we were going to talk about My Hero Academia. Why do you keep getting I... us off topic? Hello? I'm still here. Just scratching my forehead. <laughs> This is why I had a better year 2020 than I had this year. <laughs> <laughs> That's a burn. Uh, oh, is that what that was? I'm not real bright, so it helps that you explain things like that for me. On with the show. Uh, My Hero Academia, um, I can't say much much happened other than the little bit of, I guess, I guess what I want to bring up is that this episode kind of brought some light to Tokiyami. Light, ironic, considering he's a shadow, but uh, actually the other person he's fighting is a shadow too. But I guess if we forget to Tokiyami, um, we first, I think they uh they have like a little intermission, the uh eraser eraser kind of like after the fight happens, we're actually at the end, the beginning of the episodes, so we're at the end of the fight that happened last episode, and mm-hmm. eraser is giving the original team team A saying like what did you do wrong, um, Kaminari's saying I was I was cool I was a badass um. Uh, Kirishima, like always, saying that he could have done better. He 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 needed to bring the fight. He needs to bring the fight to an enemy because he's just he is a barrier with super strength. Mm-hmm. So he, like this race race, so he needs to work on being able to bring the fight to somebody if you're going to be a, an effective hero anyway. Um, Sue, I forgot what he says to Sue, but I feel like what he said to Sue was kind of wrong. I did too. I didn't want to be the one to say it because I knew it would have been like, oh, you just like Sue. But I mean, that was just me. I I, I feel like, because I feel like she was the most effective out of the five, but maybe not. I don't know. I think he was saying that, like, he, he said that she needed to be able to compensate mm-hmm. for any Kirishima that goes that, wrong. He told Kirishima that he should be doing head on fights, and then he told Koda you shouldn't be doing head-on fights, which I think are both really good advice. Yeah, I was saying that should... about um, of like uh, Bug Kid, and I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure Dog was happy about that criticism. 
Yeah, he's not being smart. He's telling you think about think. He says, "Oh, that's interesting." <laughs> Told Kaminari to stop goofing off so much, and then Sue he said, "Think about how to cover for a mistake quickly, then about your mistakes." So he's basically saying, like, when you mess something up, stop thinking about the fact that you made a mistake and think about well, what you can do next instead. Don't I dwell not, on your. I guess he's not one hundred percent wrong because yeah, it was uh, during the situation she was talking about how they were down a member and she was constantly on about that. She wasn't wrong about it, but yeah, maybe she should have been a little bit more. Maybe she should have been a little bit more quick on the uptake. Maybe. Maybe because I don't know. I guess when um, who was it that got taken? Oh, Kirishima. She probably could have like, cause who took Reacted. him? Oh, the uh, the beast guy. I think even if she wasn't able to fight him head on, I feel like she still could have tripped him because um, he was top heavy, wasn't he? She probably mm-hmm. could use her tongue and tripped him up. Like on top of that, he wasn't he he wasn't the brightest tool in the shit. For crying out loud, Sue was smarter than he was. Because <laughs> at half the time, he was just using his sense of smell as a way to get around, um, you know, sneak attacks and whatnot. But it still didn't help you know because... Hmm? You know who else is kind of top-heavy, though? <sighs> Waiting for the segue? <laughs> so, yeah, I I think you're right. I think the idea of Sue, like not being so hard on herself in the moment, like in saving self critique for like after the fight, when she has time to think about it is a smart thing. You know, if you make a mistake, don't dwell on it, like react right away, get like, get a good response going, minimize the damage from the mistake. And then if you want to think about it, you can think about it later. Like they're all doing at the time when they're standing up in line. I guess on that too, I just thought about this. Um, and I never realized it cause I was, sitting the entire time praising Sue the, the entirety of the series because she's the most well-balanced hero here. But um, with her constantly thinking thing, her be- that being her flaw, I do remember that point when um earlier on when uh Bakugo got taken and everybody mm-hmm. was like making decisions to go either to not go save him or save him. At the end of all that, you, you know, when Sue was, was coming, you know, was talking with Ida and everybody else like that about... um. I guess it's one of one of her flaws. She she takes too much time to think about something, even though it's not really a flaw. I mean, for most people, that wouldn't be a flaw. But I guess in this situation, we're gonna say that's her flaw. Yeah, is that um, she takes things too hard, so uh, too too to heart sometimes, and it, it's to her detriment. Uh, because she is so well rounded. Um, and she got praised a lot actually, even during her um, her internship, she got praised a lot. And even during that point, she didn't really... I don't even know why. It's like, during that internship, did she take time to think about things a lot? Or was she kind of quick on her toes? Because I feel like that wasn't a thing she did a lot. I mean, she was smart, but mm-hmm. I don't think she 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 pondered things too long. She kind of got everything and immediately started hopping into action. Ha <laughs> ha, hopping. <laughs> oh my god. That was not on purpose. <laughs> I kind of just realized it after the fact. I don't know if we can be friends after that. <laughs> oh, come on. Don't be green, man. <laughs> that was a horrible... That was a stretch. I don't even... I don't even deserve to live with that one, but... um, 
Yeah, I don't know. You, you could make an argument that Ozawa was right and wrong in that situation. Um, in in Kaminari, I guess. I don't know if, we, if you, you could make it if you can say that Kaminari was goofing around during the situation because, as you saw during the um during the time lapses of before what happened to him, he was making he was making good decisions in terms of like you know they 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 already are wary of him, take advantage of that. Yeah. So I I don't know if we could say he was really goofing around because he was making really smart decisions, at least smart for him in in the situ- in the in, in the situation. Now granted, mm-hmm. uh that that uh his his electrocution attack, that pinpointing thing, that that pinpoint thing, he shouldn't have waited so long to use it because they were already aware of it the, before he even got there. Mm-hmm. So if any, if anything my critique for him is that he should have been a little bit quicker on on the shooting because there was a hole in that in that net for whatever reason the vine girl left open i, I don't know why she left that portion open and she knew that he was dangerous i mean granted she probably wasn't all that concerned because she was able to def- defend against it before so there's no reason why she couldn't defend against it now was the idea that she didn't want to smother him since they're not really playing for keeps i guess but i feel like the hole was too big I feel like she could have, like, if you really trying to make sure that she wasn't trying to kill him, because I mean, mm-hmm. she was going the entire episode saying, "Oh, I'm so so, I so think it's vile that I'm being the distraction." I'm just like, man, she's gonna be a weird hero <laughs> in the future. But um, mm-hmm. but like, I feel like she could have, like, maybe there's there's a there was a point even after the fact after she after he shot through the hole, she closed it all away. So I don't think she was concerned about smothering him. So I I don't know. I feel like that was a little bit inconsistent. Thinking mm. thinking back on it now. I'm trying to make it not a plot hole, but it does sound like a plot hole, doesn't it? Like this seems kinda weird. It's like she she didn't care about it after the fact. So why did it matter before the fact? And she was already and they were already aware how dangerous he was. They they made they, they were making a big deal about how dangerous Kaminari was, especially on his own. I guess I guess another thing too that he commented is the fact that you shouldn't be you shouldn't be trying to go on your own so often. You need to be able to you need to you need to be able to adapt to the situation. So I will admit that Kaminari does need to learn how to I feel like he shouldn't need he shouldn't he shouldn't need to be able to be on he he shouldn't need to have to be on his own to be able to shock people without hurting his friends. And if anything, mm-hmm. if that's the case, my theory is that maybe if any if any if he is on a group you know, he needs to have them wear insulation. So that way, when he does let loose an undiscriminate shock, it won't hurt them, and it would just hurt the person he's trying to hurt. So if he can't control the shock radius, at least he at least he's protecting the people around him. Because I don't know, I don't know any other way to prevent yourself. I mean, from the way his electricity lets out, it doesn't look like there's any real control to it. Which I is mean, why if you he radiate, has... if you radiate electricity, just wear a suit that like collects it and directs it any way you want it. That's also a solution. I mean, imagine if Iron... I know we're going to Marvel with that, but, like, imagine if Iron Man had that kind of technology. He could power his own suit. Because his Iron Man's biggest weakness has always been running out of energy. Not really, because that... Oh, well, in the movies, it doesn't seem like that way, but... He's yeah, powering he that suit times, with that on. Um... Especially earlier in the movies, before he had, like, ridiculous tech. Like, his 
later in the movies like when he's when he's a big brawler like running out of material was his big weakness but early in the movie like running out of energy was his big weakness i don't know because like he his, the um that uh, that heart thing that he has on him which is keeping him alive was how he was powering the suit it was like a mini mm-hmm. reactor in that thing so i don't know if he was ever running out of power exit there were points in this he he's literally argument that power was a was a was a, was his biggest weakness you should probably yeah, take my yeah you should probably take my word for it it's definitely his big weakness but but um but yes yeah, so that they they had that little they had that little back and forth shinzo was already analyzing his weaknesses and stuff like that and, he, and granted i saw was a little bit nicer to him probably protege masters type of situation going on there but um mm-hmm. he mentions that like shinzo mentions that he wished he could have acted faster with the uh with the binding cloth but Eris said that if you were able to do that from the get-go he probably wouldn't have had him he probably wouldn't have had him use it here or something to something to that effect that he probably wouldn't have this is the reason why he's here he's here to learn um because mm. it took Azawa six years to master that binding cloth technique right so i was like i wonder where Azawa learned it from because it seems kind of weird that like that he learned it for he took it six years to master it but um so Sinjo's now trying to learn how to, uh, he's trying to figure Unless out how he's he, self-taught. there's also a possibility too, but, um, yeah. probably the highest possibility actually is probably the only possibility, but, uh, unless Aizawa was inspired by a hero that used binding cloths too. I had no idea. Not much is known by Aizawa's background. Um, right. But as soon as he was now trying to learn how to, I guess, use the binding cloth faster now. And everybody else is trying to, uh, what Deku blurts it out the same. Maybe we should learn. Uh, maybe we should come up with some uh, plans to, um, pretty much to be able to use during the fights. And this is essentially one of Deku's Deku moments where he's like fanboying, uh, with everybody else. You know, like trying to figure out who should do what. Uh, and we see each group a little bit. Bakugo being Bakugo is pretty much saying, "You stay, you stay out of my way. I'm gonna bulldoze this thing." Yeah, Bakugo's not learning. That's what I'm talking about. He's not growing. I talked about that last podcast that he just seems like he refuses to grow. No, that's just him being stubborn. He's learning. He's just like not taking those lessons to heart because he's trying right. to compete with Deku. Right. I don't know. Then he's not growing. Even if he's learning, he's too stubborn to grow from what he's learning. Yeah, He's but like, when you have somebody who I'm had absolutely, you know, I mean, but at the same time, like if like if you're trying to compete with somebody like Deku who had absolutely nothing and it's already on par with you and getting stronger, you're gonna try focusing and try to get yourself stronger regardless of any real character growth that you could be d- diminishing at that point. Yeah, on top of that, you don't you can't expect somebody like Bakugo to change overnight. I don't think there's been enough, there's been enough time for Bakugo's character to cool cool out. It's kind of the same thing with Vegeta. It took like two to three arcs after he had that little like. Well, actually, no, take that back. It took one. It took half an arc after he killed himself and then came back. But when mm-hmm. stands, it, it you know, I think Bakugo's gonna have a lot more happen to him before he chills out because he is literally still trying to compete with um with uh, Deku. And he still got a stick of his butt from his fight with Todoroki all the way back in season two. Mm-hmm. So 
he's got a lot of problems right now with his own self-importance because we've already seen that his self-importance is already very low. He does not value himself, which is quite funny considering how he acts. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he has a lot of issues he needs to work with and it, it ain't gonna... It's not gonna be um the person to, to help him with that because we've already seen that um Deku came up with that idea back when uh when they were rescuing him. He knew calling out to Bakugo wouldn't get him to jump. It took a it took one of his um best friends mm-hmm. to, to do that. So if anything, it's probably gonna be Kaminari. I mean not Kaminari. Jeez, names mixed up. Uh, <laughs> Kirishima to to um to get him out of that rut, whatever that rut is. But uh. I mean, yeah, he's. I mean, at the same time, like I, I still give him a pass because, like, he's not the main character. He's like side character, si- uh, rival side character mm-hmm. for right now. Until that, there's an arc that you know that has him as the as the front, as the as the front man. So I think if I remember correctly, rumors there was something happening with that too. Well, not rumors, but Google. I hate Google, so when it knows <laughs> I'm watching, every time I go in there is something. Hey, did you know? Like, no, um. Moving on. That was a tangent. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's okay. But essentially, after that, they they have their little um group group uh you know group dis- uh necker discussion, but group planning se- session. Then Vlad says that um teams B on each side get ready to fight, and this is when we see um this is Yayu Rosa or Kreiti's group and uh, Kendo's group, and uh, it's actually kind of funny. Uh, we get a little bit of inside going on with like why Momo, which I kind of I forgot all about that, but I was I actually did remember wondering. I wonder why Yaya Rosa wasn't a part of the beauty pageant, but um, they do kind of bring it up here. Like I wonder why she wasn't there, and Kendo asks her that, and Momo doesn't doesn't really know why because you know I said I would never brought it up to her because she was too busy trying to prepare for the band, so. She she mm-hmm. probably figured she just he thought she didn't have enough time. So uh that was one thing. But uh Kendall brings up the fact that you don't want character. I wonder if that's like a I never thought about that. That's such a weird, unnecessary piece of dialogue, even though like they're trying to make small talk moments for him. This it's not like the series to have small talk that doesn't go anywhere. So I wonder if that ever ends up meaning something. I think they're just trying to build up a a rivalry with those two because they are by far, in their in their classes, they are the prettiest girls in their classes. Anyway, well, um, they're, they're, and then we don't even know what the invisible girl looks like. We know she's naked, so I don't know. I mean, right? People that she comes into contact seem pretty happy about it, or at least surprised. <laughs> It's I feel like she's got to have control over her invisibility because it's just so weird. Her, her she's invisible twenty four seven, but um, they bring up uh, they they bring that up. They had a little like thing. Kendall mentions that she's happy that she wasn't there because she's trying. She wants to have a proper a proper rivalry with her, and this is like the first step towards that. She wants to be able to fight because she's never got chance to fight them, fight her. Which actually another problem, mm-hmm. another thing too. I didn't know. I didn't notice this. They never fight each other, not once. Mm-hmm. Which is even weird because they're kind of similar to an extent. Um, no, they're not really. How are they similar? They they in their own way like uh have their uh have other classmates flock to them. 
I mean, I know Kendo more so than Yagirozo, but I mean, because I could see Yagirozo if she were to grow a little bit more. I could see her being the big sister of a uh, of um of a uh, class one A. I could truly see really? her see her like that because she helped them out. Like I mean, she was very happy to help out earlier on when they're t- um trying to catch up for their um their exams and whatnot. She mm-hmm. uh she was very happy to 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 help out like like almost like an older sibling would if they really wanted to help out their younger siblings. She's to me that was like a very um caring sister situation there. I'm not saying she's there yet, but I feel like that was like one of the situations she has characteristics that could lead to her being maybe the big sister of like one A. Um I feel like her position in life tries to force her into it. Like she has lots of resources, she has her own big mansion that she can invite them to and things like that like but she doesn't her personality is to be completely on her own every time you see her like in her dialogue she's like all right it's a this is on me i'm doing this on my own you don't see that like teamwork feeling and you don't see that like mother hen feeling from her so much she's just i doubt she's i doubt so because like a lot of times i've seen her she's been with some some people and she's never really gone out because she's always produced She's always caught up in her own insecurities and her own problems too much to like be a support. Kendu like Kendu's very like confident in herself and she knows her limitations. She even looks at her and goes, you know, my grades aren't as good as yours, my quirk isn't as good as yours, but let's be rivals. You know what I mean? That's a pretty confident way to handle things. You know, like she's just like, yeah, we're we're gonna be rivals. But like the other character, but just because she has her own insecurities doesn't mean she can't be. You know, because like you can even say she, um, it's not with Kendu. It's not really insecurities. It's just she knows where she stands. She's like, this is what I got to work with. But I, um, yeah, you're right. You see her do like constantly every episode. It's like the crux of her character is that she's an over overachiever that she can't get over herself. You know. Well, she also. I mean, people seem to forget this about Yaya Rozo, but she was also one of the students who was recommended by a pro hero so she's already right. got a so lot even more pressure on her so she doesn't have that outward reach that makes her a big sister character like i would think almost any other female character right now personality wise not necessarily position in the group wise personality wise almost character has a better personality fit for big sister like acid girl I could see being a big sister, like someone that everybody goes to for emotional support because she's so accepting. You know, Uraraka has that temper. I, I don't. Her, like, I, I, I disagree with Uraraka. Uraraka has a, has a short temper about certain things. And you know that she's like really loyal to family. And I could see her getting ticked off if somebody hurt one of her friends and like, and taking the front line and being like, you leave them alone, you know, and being the big sister in that sense. I could see... You know what I mean? Not so much Froppy, but like the other female characters all seem like they have moments where they're better suited for it than someone that's wrapped up in themselves. Like a big sister character is thinking about other people, not themselves. I kind of disagree. I mean, and that's what the whole thing is because like, I, I, what I've seen from her, she's been she's been trying to help everybody else, even if with, even with those insecurities that she does have, because. Typically, mm-hmm. even in a, in, a, in a sibling relationship, I mean, I'm not saying you don't notice because you have siblings, but um, if if even if you're an older one, you still have your own insecurities, and sometimes those do take priority accidentally. Because mm-hmm. I mean, during like the uh during the uh 
the the uh the provisional exam, she was trying to make sure that uh she was trying to calculate everything so everybody wasn't gonna get hurt or anybody wasn't gonna be. She seemed to me that she was at that point she was really trying to make sure that she was protecting everybody the best that she could. Even but if, it even was if like, that came it with was framed in the mindset of like being an overachiever, not really framed in I love these people, you know. Sometimes older siblings can be overachievers in that in that regard, regardless of like how. I I I think what I'm saying is like I I don't think a a big sister type of character or a big brother type of character or like in you know a sibling relationship thing going on there with the older sibling is there, has to always be, outwardly like, um, what's the word uh. Like overly protective, to a, to mm-hmm. an to an extent, or like you know they have to be um constantly thinking of others. It's, it's not like, I feel like in anything like if I if I had to make some comparison, Kendall's probably the perfect older sister. I'd say that she's probably Yai Rose is probably the you know the flawed older sister, mm-hmm. but they're still like you see, Kendall's always putting herself out there. Like when she's like managing the blonde guy that's obnoxious, she's like rep she'll bash him on the head and she'll say she'll speak for the group and say we don't represent what he's thinking at all you know or something like that where she she feels comfortable speaking for the nest so to speak you know when she was um teaming up to in the fight against the gun guy like she was being very selfless selfless about it you know what i mean and and working into this and saying like very protective of her teammate but also in in a protective way you know what i mean not in a heroes take care of each other way so and i need to be a good hero way but like actually caring about that person you know and there's just like a lot of moments like that where you just see her doing that you know what i mean like supporting them emotionally and like not just protecting them literally but also supporting them emotionally or managing them as if they're like almost like children you know like our little kid siblings you know you don't see that with her at all She's not a class rep. She's not. Is she a class rep? No, that's Ida. Yeah, that's right. She's the, she's the so, vice president. Ida's like not a class rep, barely. At any, like, when's the last time he did something class class rep like? But that's a different story. But I don't know. She just doesn't. She just doesn't have ownership of her group in the same way that Kendo does. Again, perfect older sister, flawed older sister. Cause I mean, not not all older siblings are like are gonna be Kendo, for that matter. Should I'm not. Mm-hmm. I had a little sister, but I'm like I'm like I'd say I'm probably more like Yaya Rosa than anything than I am like mm-hmm. Kendo. Like that's what I'm saying. Perfect older sister, flawed older sister. Like you know, si- not all siblings are made equal. Yeah, that's the that unfortunate truth. I, I don't think the other characters look at her as a sister, an older sister. Like, who looks up to her? I have to probably go back and watch the episodes again, but, um... Who has that kind of relationship with her, where they treat her like a sister? There's a few people that treat her like friends, or, like, one of the girls, or something like that. But there's not really anyone that treats her like, you're my sister. I don't think any of the Class B, like, treats Kendall like that, as far as I can tell. I mean, the closest you could probably make the Mm -hmm. argument is, uh, that metal dude, who I forgot his name. Episode 93, season five, like, but a lot of people, like, just straight outwardly say it, but, like, the other examples I gave you of, like, when she represents the class and says, we don't feel that way about this and stuff like that, like, you see everybody kind of ganging, ganging up with her, you know, and, and 
she really does represent the class like emotionally not just because it's her job to speak for them you can see that she really has her pulse on the group and how they feel about situations I mean, I, I mean, I really don't know. I feel, I feel like Yaruel has potential. That's why, that's why I was really getting that she has potential to, because I mean, like the interaction with her probably, probably do her some good. As you said before, she does have self confidence issues. I mean, anybody ever can have mm -hmm. self confidence issues. And I mean, and just because she had that moment with Todoroki that helped her get over at least the first hump, doesn't doesn't mean that she doesn't still have them. Because I mean, you make the argument that so many people should be over 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 their problems. My argument is that Todoroki should be way over his issues with his father, but he's not. He's just not. Mm -hmm. And I don't really care about, like, you know, he's had his, you know, because of the things he's that's had, had happened in his life. Like, that talk that he had with Midoriya, I believe, with the kind of effect Midoriya does have on people, that should have solved mm -hmm. everything, in my opinion. Well, not everything, but, like, it should have solved, uh, it should have solved a good majority of it. He shouldn't have, he shouldn't have problems using his firepower. He should not have problems using it. Cause that that mm. mental that mental wall that he has would have gotten shattered, and Deku told him that it was his quirk. And by the way, Todoroki, uh, that's one quirk and not two. Todoroki speaking, you're only using fifty percent of your hidden potential. Mm -hmm. I, I don't like, think I, every I, character I, has. I don't think every character has self confidence issues either, though. Like, what's Invisible Girl's self confidence issues? That she's constantly invisible? I mean, she's so confident, she literally walks around naked. And then there's, like, um, Midoriya, I think, debatably doesn't have self-confidence self issues. No, I think he has self-confidence issues. I mean, he's always really trying to, you know, work to, to um, that he feels that he doesn't feel that he's worthy, even though he's had several people on constant occasions. One of them, all might constantly telling him how worthy he is of this quirk um he's constantly been fighting that whole thing but i'm, I'm pretty he's gotten like, better about it but i like i feel like he's still got that self confidence. like he doesn't feel that he's worthy of this quirk like he has I to mean, feel how, like many, how often does he have a speech that's basically the equivalent of i don't care if it's impossible i'm gonna do it anyway you know yeah but he's constantly that's trying like to He's kind. Of, he's constantly trying to, even though he's already proven himself time and time again, he somehow feels like mm -hmm. he has to constantly prove himself in every situation <sighs> that he's ever in. And I find that kind of weird, considering that he's already proven himself time and time again. He literally got the right before Nada I died, got his approval. Mm -hmm. Actually, he got his approval like, way before he died. But I mean, right then at that moment, Nada I pretty much gave him this Midoriya stamp of approval as he died. He got Miyuri's approval. He got um. The girl with the spiral energy's approval. He got a emo kid. I forgot his name. Sun Eater. He got Sun Eater's approval. He got mm. so many people's approval. He even got Bakugo's approval. Somewhat as a character that, that would have been like the, the hardest person to get approval from, considering their mm. back their background with each other. Like so many people have like been so surprised like his growth and stuff like that. Like I don't know why he has to constantly feel like he needs to prove himself. And maybe there's something hidden that I'm not thinking about. But I've, I've, at, at, at the surface level, from what I can tell, he seems to have this confidence problem where he doesn't feel like he's 
he's good enough. He's worthy enough. Granted, Miorio, the situation with Miorio, I can I can understand to an extent because of how much like those two are similar. It's ridiculous, but um, mm-hmm. the only thing different about Miorio is Miorio was born with a quirk and he had to make that quirk work because it was trash at the very beginning. But um, but he proved himself that even without the quirk, he was still strong. But like, I just, I, just, I still feel like Deku is at is at this constant spiraling thing, and maybe that's where a lot of characters too. Like my issue too, some of these characters too, they're constantly in the spiral of like, I don't deserve like, like my biggest problem with Todoroki is, is that he has this issue with his father connected to his his fire power. I I get it. Mm-hmm. Your dad was a horrible person, but it's still your quirk. Use it. Is that a self-confidence issue, or is that just him being stubborn about not accepting the fate that his father's choosing for him? If he is that him just being like, I'm not gonna be your ego problem solution no, for you, or is that the thing is I feel like I feel like his problem right now with his father with his fire quirk, he's past the whole um uh why I was created in the first place type of thing because he kinda made that quite clear when he was fighting with him, when he was talking to his father for the first time in a while. But how he was proud that, you know, he, he used his fireside. Like, he said, I didn't even know you were there. I completely mm-hmm. blocked everything else around me. At that point, tells me that he's gotten over the whole why he was created situation. I feel like there's something but deep in his mind. That he it's almost the opposite. It's almost arrogant that he thinks he can do it with just his ice. Yeah, he has a lot of, he has a lot of uh, you know, issues in and of itself. But I still feel like it, a lot of it. The crux of a lot of his issues are with are with um Endeavor, because he yeah, I mean, but it's, he's not he, I don't he, think he, it's he's not a confidence that's the problem there. I don't know. I feel like there's some confidence there because he was about to fight Bago with full power, but he didn't. And I don't think it had anything to do with Endeavor at that point. Yeah, and he still won. I, it just doesn't strike me as self confidence is the problem. Maybe some sort of emotional vulnerability of some sort or some other issue is leading to it but just because he has an issue doesn't mean that that issue has to be self-confidence okay well about this. I, just, I, just, I just not thought about this abilities. i just not i just not thought about this when he was yeah. um he, in that fight with his bag going he was going through his mind if i feel like to me especially when he's about to use the fire ability and when he dissipated in the look in his eyes and like should i be doing this should i be doing like 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 i don't know like i mean maybe that's not self-confidence maybe that's something totally different type of situation altogether he feels conflicted but it's not a lack of confidence we just care to have their own problems if it, even if you're self-confident <laughs> i'm just gonna i'm just gonna blink at the entire situation he's care oh, to have sorry, their own so what problems. are sugar rush's problems what what is sugar rush what you said each character has their own problems what's sugar rush's problems Sugar has power. His power just sucks. <laughs> his power sucks, but he doesn't care. Personality-wise, he doesn't have any problems. He probably got his own problems. I mean, we we don't we don't we haven't really been a one-on-one with each character. You said that each character has its own problems. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he does got his own problems, but we haven't been one-on-one with every single one of them. I'm just assuming the characters we have we haven't been one-on-one with have their own problems. You're saying that each character has their own problems, whether we know them or not. Yes. So you're just, in other words, I'm right and you're wrong. That's basically what you're saying. No, I'm just there saying we don't know because there's a lot of characters who still haven't been one on one with. We don't know <laughs> anything about his like Sugar Rush's like personality besides that he can cook, which apparently garnered all the girls' attention, which is kind of funny. But I guess in Jap- mm-hmm. Japan, girls like sweets, so they're just another one of those Japanese jokes. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Serious, serious Japanese joke, but um, 
I guess we're talking about characters and I guess development and problems. Um, we we kind of they start fighting when well, I fight. They start like uh, uh, gauging the other group's abilities and figuring things out. Uh, we kind of pan to Sukiyomi and the other shade dude mm-hmm. having a very shady discussion. But um, uh, <laughs> um, saying that like. Like we have a destiny that's inter- intertwined with each other, kind of speaking to Sukiyomi in his own lingo, which is kind of weird. But um, essentially, this guy—I forgot his name—but he can jump in and out of uh, shadows and manipulate them to his own end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but essentially, um, what is happening? Uh, because he was sent out by Kendo, because uh, Yagiris's group um caught up to them. Well. Shot the dark shadow caught up with them, and then uh, Kendo sent out the shade dude. We cut away from them after they bounce off each other because they do like a very weird, like uh, jump in the air and push each other with their feet outwards type of thing. And they disappear, mm-hmm. and then shade disappears, but we don't know what happened. We cut back to Yayoi's group as they're running towards them, and we see dark shadow running right at them. And it's like it's quite clear something's not right because dark shadow's saying, It's not me, I had no control over this. This is probably the second most personality we've ever seen out of that, <laughs> of that thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny. Um, that thing strikes me as so odd. What, the Dark Shadow thing? Yeah. And, and you're not wrong, it is odd. I still don't understand. I still don't know if that guy's head is a bird. From what I can tell, it's, that is what his head actually is, but I still have suspicions that it's not. Or maybe not. Pop his- Pop his hat off one day and he's going to be Krillin. Oh, dear. Hi, guys. Oh, dear. I wish for a shadow with the Dragon Balls. Oh, dear. Um, we, like, the, uh, the Dark Shadow is, you know, attacking the group now. Midoriya is realizing that everybody's like, what's happening? Like, Midoriya says that there's not enough darkness out there for him to lose control over, over his, over his, his uh, shadow. And he realizes the Shade Dude has jumped inside of Dark Shadow and is controlling him. And uh, we start having... Um, we start having... Like, after the fact, uh, Invisible Girl, who's along with the group, uses her light level fracturing ability and um, pretty much phases him out of Dark Shadow, making Dark Shadow weak enough for Tsukiyomi to get control back over and get control for him again. And Shade Dude jumps mm-hmm. into another shadow, starts running around the pipes, revealing, revealing in his own little epic monologue that he only he only interacted with Shukiyomi to get him to think that you know he was truly after him when in reality they were after Yagi Rozo the entire time, um, which is weird in its own right. But uh, as as he's talk as he's saying that he says it out loud, Sukiyomi is like above him saying, "Is that right, huh?" And uh, as we get to that point, we go back we go back in time, we go back to season two in a flashback. Because mm-hmm. I forgot he placed third. <laughs> I literally forgot he placed third. We also find out who he had interned with, which was Hawks. Um, they did a good job hiding that because I completely forgot he was interning with somebody. Because he does mention he does get he does get an he did get an offer an an offer for somebody. We didn't know who it was, but we forgot we everybody forgot he got an offer. Find out it's Hawks, and then the internship the first the first invite he got he just wanted to learn about what happened over in USJ because he was there. And then the second time was a job, was, was like, a, like a job situation. And he was, uh, 
and he was trying to keep up with Hawks because the first time he wasn't able to. And um, we see that, you know, Hawks is clearly faster than everybody because even his sidekicks have a hard time keeping up with him. We see that, you know, after like some training, Sukiyama's gotten the whole uh, over-fusing thing with Dark Shadow going, so he's a little bit faster. Right. As the as the end that trip, uh, as he as he's about to go home, Hawks tells him, "Do you got a minute?" And pretty much we cut to him at at night flying in the sky, uh, pretty much telling Sukiyama that he is, you know, his potential is very limited because of the way he's thinking. He uh, he said he's not wrong to to try to cover up his weaknesses, but he also should really go go all hog on what he's capable of doing, what he's one hundred percent what he's able to do. Uh, you know what he's really good at doing, and essentially, Sukiyomi ends up taking that advice and essentially learns how to fly. Um, with Dark Shadow, which now I can say this. Um, in the manga that I saw this of, it looked very stupid. I can't say it didn't look any less stupid in, in the anime <laughs> when he was flying. Yes. Uh, it made sense, but it, it looked still a looked kind of silly. Yeah, it was a little awkward, but I don't think it was terrible. I don't know. I mean, it makes sense, but I still say it looks stupid because I'm sitting here like, why couldn't he have made it so the Dark Shadow's hands instead of him covering his hands, like just the, the, the they just turned into like full on wings, like and he could just fly that way. I mean, then again, I guess Dark Shadow needs to be able to hold him. So I guess that's the other problem. I thought the hands were cool because he's got extra hands to fight with. But that was Sukiyoma's hands. The The other hands on Dark Shadow were used to keep him afloat and also carry him. Mm-hmm. Dark, like he can't, for a reason, I guess Dark Shadow can't hold him in the in the sky, so he has to, like, he can't, like, make him float from him. Which is kind of weird right. considering they share the same body. you think Dark Shadow would have, considering that from what I can tell, Dark Shadow has a personality. So he isn't just a random entity that Tsukiyomi just summons out of nowhere. So you'd think that if, if he could control Dark Shadow into him, maybe Dark Shadow could control him and maybe that'd be... I, I don't know. It seems kind of weird with his quirk, but to me, it looked very stupid in, in, in the manga and it didn't look any less stupid here. But at least I can tell mm-hmm. what was happening because I couldn't tell what was happening in the, in the manga. The art was very weird with it. But uh, yeah, he's capable of flying now, um, and he's flying after the shade dude in the pipes. So uh, they spend pretty much they spend the rest of the episode talking about like what happened during his uh, internship, which I'm glad we got a chance to figure out what happened there because I completely forgot that he was in an internship. So it was kind of cool to find that out. Yeah, um, and it obviously is building up Hawks too because Hawks is getting using him to get info about class a which i'm sure he's using for no good yeah, i still don't know where he stands because from one end it made it seem like he was betraying the heroes but on the other hand it looked like he was only he was only going in and he was like a, a double back cross is what he's doing right now mm-hmm. like He's betraying the heroes, but he's also betraying the villains by working for the heroes. I, that's what I say. I don't. I don't like him because I don't know where he stands. Even in this yeah, episode, I still like him. I I still like him even less. Because <laughs> like I like him even less here because it's like the only the other thing is I hate too is that he's so cool too. 
So it's like I hate him, but I think he's cool. So I have this really weird inner inner, inner conflict. <laughs> Look, I I hate that he's cool, but he's cool, and I I hate him because of his of, of what I've seen at this point. Um. So I don't know what is going on. Like, I really doesn't like his character. That's why, if you want to know why, when I was first talking about Hawks all those podcasts ago, how I said mm-hmm. I didn't really like him, that was the reason. I couldn't figure out where he stood. Because even even if you take away, even if you take away that he's working for the heroes, and in 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 lots of monologues that he has with himself, like he just wants to get out of the hero business. He was only he was only dragged into it because of how much potential he had. He wants to be. He, I think he mentions that he wants to be able to get to a point where he has. He he's a he's a popular hero, but he has the least to do. Mm-hmm. So I like. I don't. I don't. I don't get him. I don't. I really. I really don't get him. In in a world. And yet he's the number two. Yeah. In in a world that in in a world that has all these really people who want to do good and want to be a hero, he's the one guy who's number two, but he really just wants to do absolutely nothing because he views the heroes as useless people it's quite clear in that statement that he doesn't like the fact that um the popular heroes um pretty much don't really have a lot to do because considering that you know granted it's a lot of all might's fault because all might's kind of been all over the freaking place putting people in jail when he was active but um it's even kind of funny too that he feels that way but he says that um he doesn't. He doesn't have the. He doesn't have the. He doesn't have the presence like that. All Might or Endeavor have to be number one, and and we can even see as a kid he he had an Endeavor doll, so he he was he was definitely a fan. So it was one of those things like I don't understand what his 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 situation is. I don't understand where he's coming from. It seems like mm-hmm. all order for him place. I just don't like that. I just don't like that. I don't know where he stands. Every other character, I I get I can gauge where they stand. Him him I can't. And that's a problem for me, because uh, right. I, 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 that's how I gauge if I like a character or if I want to stick with a character long enough. For right now, he's in limbo until I can figure out what's going on with him. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at with him, and I think that's first episode. I didn't watch the preview. If you did, you can probably talk about what you saw because I didn't see it. Um, I did. Hang on a sec. I'm just peeking at the moments from the rest of the episode see if i can think of anything else that you're not saying i'm pretty sure there's a lot i'm not saying <laughs> i love the battleground just in general like the way the pipes and everything in this world is usable by so many different variations of quirks that we've seen so far well, i mean yeah I they're kind of training really they're training everybody to be able to be a hero it, it depends if they go that mm-hmm. route this team works better um than the other team as a group they've been working a lot better um, they operate smarter and they seem to have some strategies in case like in place for specifically fighting shadows. Like they were able to just call out what they needed to do. And they each seem to have some either shadow ability or some way to fight the shadows. And that I will, was really cool. I will admit that. Um, it, also I did forget something that I forgot to bring up. Now I thought about it. It was, it's, it's how the fight kind of comes to a close in the first half. Mm-hmm. And it's doing a fungus girl. But, um, I will admit, though, when I first saw that Sukiyomi and his other shadow dude was in there, I was like, this is going to be a shadow versus shadow fight, isn't it? It really yeah. wasn't. It really wasn't. He um he st- he stayed close to the chest. He made sure he did his job by manipulating and making sure that he took the he took the pressure off of Kendo so she could do what she needed to do in the background with everybody else. Even even, right. the, even the fungus girl, 
she was able to, um, Bruce Kendall told him everything that was going to happen. And I guess it's one of the things that makes Kendall a little bit better of a strategist. She knows how Yaya Rose is going to act and how she was going to plan and how her plan is going to work out, which is kind of weird that she has this ability to see that far in the future. So far, yeah. in fact, that after, after the Shade dude loses his edge, he ends up getting them to follow him into a, um, into a very closed off portion of the map. Only for uh, the fungus girl's spores to start popping up all over them. And that was a part of the plan, too. He made it seem like he was caught, but in reality, he wasn't. Yeah. So, I mean, that was one of those things. Like, I feel like, almost for certain, Kendall's going to win this. It's going to win this fight. Hands down. She's going she's gonna to win this fight. I wouldn't mind seeing that. I, I think it'd be really cool. And somebody's got to win at least one of these for Class B. Because Midoriya's going last, so obviously he's going to be the tiebreaker. Because why would he not be the tiebreaker? Mm. So we're going to have to see the other teams. They're going to have to have like win and lose fairly evenly matched so that Midoriya can be the tiebreaker at the end. Whatever team's going last is obviously going to be the decider. They're not going to be like, oh, we won three. Let's see if we can get four. You know. You never know. My hair has done things unconventional. You never know. Yeah, I guess that like maybe an outside disaster. The funny thing is, make... I, I've read up past this point to a certain point, but I don't remember any of it. So I don't remember. I remember one tiny detail, but I don't remember how this entire thing ends. Yeah. So it's up in the air for me right now. I don't know. I don't even know how it ends. This is one last bit of information that I do remember that I'm keeping in the back of my brain because I really want to talk about it when it comes up. But um, other than that, like I don't really have much. Like I don't remember much about how this fight goes. I don't even know if if Kendall does win this one, because like I said before, I'm, Team B's got to win. And I feel like with what they're doing right now, it, it it's setting Kendall up to be the winner. I think it would be great if they did. Um, another just as just more of a side note thing. Um, I feel like a lot of the characters in this are inspired by like other series, like we were talking about. Um the guy from the last one kind of reminded me of Sasquatch. The uh, shade guy kind of reminds me of um, Alice in Wonderland style art. Um, if you go, if you look up Batman animated series and you look up the Mad Hatter, the grin on the Mad Hatter is really similar to that guy's facial expression. And I also got like Cheshire cat feelings from it. Like how Cheshire cat fades into nothingness and like becomes invisible. But all that's left is the smile. Um, when this guy melts into the shadows, a lot of times you can see his smile, and there's like that Cheshire cat kind of Alice in Wonderland feeling to his art art style that I thought was really something I appreciated. I get the Cheshire cat vibe from him, but like I don't remember much about Mad Hatter. He wasn't one of the villains I really really liked anyway from the Batman's world, but eh. He always had that same smile. The Mad Hatter in um, Batman the Animated Series always had that giant big toothy upward smile in the exact same way um and little white eyes you know white beady kind of eyes no other no other animated iteration of it except for the batman animated series and even then the early artwork because they change artwork style in the last season and then he doesn't look like him anymore but i think they were probably drawing that version of the mad hatter with a cheshire cat smile anyway so i i think you probably just fall back to the cheshire cat in general from um alice in wonderland but i mean I that's this whole really this, cool this old, old mods thing i mean um there's a there's a lot of star wars references throughout my hero anyway with street names 
mean, mm-hmm. and it's it's no secret that Japan likes Star Wars. So I mean, and I'm pretty sure they pulled some stuff around. I mean, a lot of people made the comparison of Todoroki with Zuko, but the the creator said he never um. It was either that he never heard of Zuko or that no, he wasn't he wasn't based on Zuko. Um, mm-hmm. you make the comparison that you know what a burn mark was and everything and the problems that they had with their father, it just makes it seem similar to an extent, even if it wasn't. And it, I feel like a lot of these things are unintentional, and um, it just you know because the Western audience is comparing things to things here, it's gonna come off like that. Huh? I wonder if he knew about this guy or not. You know, type of situation. I mean, it's it's a stretch, but it does it seem like a thousand? If you start thinking about that guy as like Cheshire Cat inspired, is it a thousand percent a coincidence that one of his buddies is a mushroom character? <laughs> like, I might be stretching it way too much there, but I mean, Alice in Wonderland. I mean, I, oh, I can say. I mean, I know there's like, I mean, a lot of manga creators in Japan won't ever admit if there was really an inspiration to something unless they really want to, unless they really want to say that there's an inspiration. But like, like yeah. before, there's, there's there's a lot there's a lot of coincidences sometimes with um with certain people when they make certain things. And I'm not sitting there saying that like there's no way that Cheshire Cat didn't have any influence or even Mad Hatter for that matter. Um, mm. but I feel like if it was a Mad Hatter inspiration besides the face, I think he would have given that guy a top hat. Um, and who knows? Maybe there was some like past iteration of that character shade that um we don't know of because um. On the Wikipedia, they actually show you various redesigns of certain characters before they got their final design. There's a, there's a possibility that maybe there's a possibility that maybe there was a read there was a previous design of this character that maybe had a hat, and that might prove your point there. But as far as like the um the street names of Star Wars, that was pretty much. I mean, he never confirmed anything, but I can I can tell that there's no way. Tatooine Street. There is no way it came up with that name by yourself. That is not a coincidence. That was taken from Star Wars. I mean, even the, even the Godzilla fight they had in the first episode that was definitely um inspiration was the Godzilla series, but that was a Japan Asian thing. I don't want to say mm. it's a Japanese thing, Asian thing, Asian thing. <laughs> but um, first up, although totals. I think Godzilla might be a Japanese thing, I think that might be fair. It could be, but I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to say this or that because some people could take things saying, oh, he said this. This is what he meant. Like, no, I didn't. Right. But uh, you said you were scrubbing through the series episode. Did you see anything? No, just the other thing was I, the uh, the mushroom character seems like she's going to be a big part of the second phase of their attack. I think it's really interesting to see the level of experience that they're bringing to the battle. They're completely owning the environments, um, you know, owning the shadows. And now she's going to spread everything with mushrooms. And I think that basically taking over the environment with her mushrooms now and like creating like whatever, you know, that's going to do. I'm sure that it does something with involving spores or hallucinogenics or something, you know. I mean, but I, th- I think it's th- kind of. I think the main reason they're owning them. Oh, continue. I think it's cool that they're making like. They're making the um the arena like become their home team advantage like that, and the other the only reason they were able to disrupt the shade guy was because they like disrupted the home team advantage, which was okay for a bunch of characters that happen to have a lot, a good answer to shadow and light. You know, even Creative could have created like some sort of mag light from her, you know what I mean, or or searchlight or something from her stomach and and shown it on. So 
they all had an answer to shadows, but like, what answer are they going to have to mushrooms everywhere? They're not, you know what I mean? They don't have an uh, control the error option except for Creedy that has an answer to literally everything. That's true. I think the main reason why I think they're kind of doing it is I think it's one of the things where it's like, um, in the very beginning of this, before this arc even started with the first fight, they mentioned that on um, Class 1A, there are advantages that they've had. Um, their studies interrupted several on several occasions, and they got like on the field experience. And for for a lot of the series, the the, the biggest like the the biggest note that was ever stated was that you know Class One A has had a lot of t- opportunities to like have like on the field hero work, but unfortunately that's kind of been at the detriment of their of their school studies. Um, one B on the other hand, they haven't had anything interrupt their school studies, not even one thing. So I think it's one of those things where I think it's showing that you know they had time to be able to go over the material and actually learn it and absorb it more so than class one A. And at first you probably wouldn't think that wouldn't be able to um, that wouldn't have much of an effect on them. You know, that wouldn't have much effect on progress. You know, primarily you would think that um, you know, physically doing something would actually be a lot better for you in the long run. But I think it's like. It's one of those things we're showing that you know you could be a physical learner or you could be a um a book learner and you still come out at the at the end, because they even said I think at some point someone mentioned that they've been working on their quirks too. They've been like working on pushing their quirks to a certain point too. So, I think it's one of those things where it's it's a combination of that you know they had a different experience going to UA than everybody else did, and um they're trying to like prove that you know they're not gonna be the uh the butts of the jokes they're not gonna be the jokes uh the jokes of the school. With one A being the 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 winners and whatnot, they're they're proving that they really want to be able to outshine them, even if they are on good terms. Everybody, well, except for the guy who who talks too much, but um, everybody <laughs> seems to be friends. Everybody seems to be friends with each other, but you know, they want to prove that just because we're friends doesn't mean I don't want to beat you or be better than you. Yeah, which so, is yeah, a very think, common theme. You know, let's both kick ass and see which one kicked the most at the end. So it's kind of showing that you know they're they're definitely like a, um really it's situational as you said before it's it's really just a battleground that's being really good for them right now. Yeah, I want to see I mean, both of them. The shade yeah, dude, dude and her needs to be in close spaces. Anyway, for them to be um uh, effective, what are you saying? I said I want to see Kendo have um a new ability come out. I want to see because they were they keep talking about how everybody has new abilities in Class B. I'm really curious what um, Kendo's, if any, that she'll she'll come out with. Make even bigger hands. I mean, maybe. Um, I'm sorry. I I just had to, because I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. It's like, if anything, she could be like Gigantor, and she just learned that you know she can make other parts of her bigger. She learned she can make herself bigger. I don't know. Because one of those things, because it's it's one of those things where a lot of these characters learned that you know sometimes sometimes what you think a quirk is is like only capable of doing, isn't one hundred percent true. Sometimes you gotta think outside the box for your quirk to be able to function as one hundred percent effectiveness. Right. I think the invisible girl, for instance, is like she thought she just was invisible and that was it. She learned that she can redirect light. So it was one of those things like, you know, she just had to look deeper in her quirk to find out what else she could do. Yeah. Uh, so it was one of those things like, maybe, I don't know, like, 
I don't know what else she like. I don't know what I. Uh, I don't know what else she could do. It'd be kind of cool that she could somehow make other people smaller or bigger. Like maybe like, granted that probably a stretch because that means like how would they do it? The best way I could think about doing that for her is like, she has like a radius that she like that uh, she has to imagine, and the people have to be within that box, and then anybody in that box that she makes, she can shrink and enlarge on a dime. But that would mean like she her cork would have to be effective on uh not on not on her but on the person. But I don't know how she would do that, if at all possible, if she could do that. Yeah, which is a stretch, by the way. I don't know. So I don't, I really I'm don't know. honestly at a loss. Like I'm part of the reason I'm looking forward to this because I can't think of what they would do with her power to make it more valuable. I mean, it could just be something she does with her hands. Like maybe she picks up the the Hulk clap or something. You know, where she claps her hands together and creates a sonic wave. Like maybe her, the physical manifestation of her quirk is not like affected, but she learns something new to do with it. Or maybe it's just a, something as simple as like she's created her own form of like martial arts or something. But whatever it happens to be, I think it'd be really cool to like see how that manifests because it, she could use a little bit of a power glow up. And I'm kind well, of. I mean, she's the only that. character that we've actually seen in combat. Her and, well, her, Tetsu Tetsu, and I think his name was Momo. The guy here talks too much. Um, yeah. I think that's the only, they're the three people we've, we've only seen in combat. Well, besides well, the Vine Girl, we too. We saw we've a lot of her. them in the, yeah, I was going to say, we saw a decent amount in the tournament, like even in the Battle Royales and stuff. I don't know, a lot of those characters seem new. Like that a Pony lot Girl, of these for instance. Seem new. That Pony the, Girl that, that's in there. I don't think I saw her at all. Um, that fungus girl, I know I haven't seen her. The one uh, with the Lego head doesn't seem familiar to me. The manga dude we have not seen. The guy with the comic book face. Like, yeah. I think there's a fairly amount of characters we have not seen. They might have been there, but we've not seen them. Yeah, um, or maybe we saw them for like two seconds running in the initial race or something. And like a lot of them don't know what they're like, capable of doing. Exactly. So even if they could be improving the crooks, like we don't know what they're capable of doing to begin with. That that girl with the with the scales, we don't know what she. We don't. I don't think she might have been in the race. I just don't remember her. But I don't think I ever saw her fight. Uh, and I think she's supposed to be in class one B. She was the one who got recommended from a pro hero. I think I don't know. Um, I could be wrong about that. I think they do. I think Class One B does actually have recommended students from um, Pro Heroes. I think. And if they do, they don't mention them. But um, Class One B is like the one class that they always seem to pair up with One A anyway, so that they have to be formidable in some way. But I guess with that, we can I guess end the topic discussion of this. Um, I guess I was wrong that we didn't have much to talk about on this episode because we talked about it for almost an hour. <laughs> Yeah. So I was wrong, and I will gratefully take that uh, that L. Um, I guess quickly, <laughs> well, well, before we hit two hours here, we'll quickly go through Shaman King, because it was already okay. made obvious that you don't have an interest, you don't really have much of an interest in it, but you'll watch it to see what's happening. I'm um, not, I haven't made up my mind. There was some things, like the initial hit of the animation style, I was like, oh no, I hope this whole thing isn't like this, with the weird foreheads and the creepy looking man babies and stuff like that. And then they seemed to settle down the animation style a little bit after that, and I didn't mind it as much. So, but there was a few little like twists and turns like that that threw me off. 
Um, I like to welcome the the ten people, the eleven people that uh that just came in here. Um, we welcome rated? to the to to the podcast. Are they Kanabi? Kanabi? Cannibal cat? Cannibal cat? Oh, jeez, I butchered your name. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> butchered that name. Cannibal cat. Well, uh, welcome. And yes, I'll ask Bar. Uh, there are no weird foreheads. <laughs> they came in at the wrong time when you were saying that. I mean, they had a, you got to keep in mind, though, like, uh, Jock, with this series, this yeah. is a reboot of a show that came out, um, like, years ago. So there are going to be things in it that are just that you don't see in anime today because it's a reboot of a show that came out a long time ago. Um, well, even then, like the, it, I was just so turned off by the initial set of animation from it. It it really does hit you hard and, and not consistently with the general look and feel of the anime after the first five minutes. Another thing too about the, this anime, I think this was during a time when like animes like to do, like to shock you, like do like quick mm. shocks to you. Um, cause I know another anime that does this, which is, and it was, it was jarring at first, but then it, it got cool was a show called Yu Yu Hakusho, which I mentioned this to you before. Um, that anime starts off not how you think it's going to be. It pretty much starts off like a slice of life. The main character gets run over by a car and all of a sudden you're thrown into a spirit world where you're killing demons and solving mysteries. Yeah. It's a one. I, I mean, a lot of animes do this where they, they like just start you off with something that's just specifically designed to throw you off balance. Even Trigon episode one of Trigon really throws you off too. Don't you think? I hate you bringing this up. Cause I don't remember much. <laughs> episode one of Trigon is like this. Nobody knows who he is. And it's like, blah, and he's like running around, like making a maniac out of himself. And it looks like that's, they never give you really any, substantial hints that there's anything else like later you know what's really going on but like in this you're just like oh my god this is the stupidest goofiest like slapstickiest anime i've ever seen and you have no idea how serious you know what i mean and, and tragic the tone is going to be by the end of the series but i guess with tones we'll talk about tones actually is like, least... I make it past episode one of trigon because it was so raucous jeez but um so, but like I, Shaman King, like it had a really semi-dark beginning. Cause um, I will admit this: there are things I do remember about certain characters and relationships and whatnot, such as um, well, the very first episode, we we were, were welcome to a birth, um, and it's like a typical birth, um, it's a birth well bringing the Antichrist into the world, which is what I am equivalent antiquating all that what happened in there too. Um, first they say that she's only giving birth to one kid, and uh, there's some people are are um some of the shamans are like are saying that there was some like rich there was some like uh end of days coming, and this woman was going to give birth to an evil entity of a of a of a soul is what I believe what they said that was coming back to life. And she was giving birth to it. She gave birth to it, and the baby—well, not the baby—the spirit attached to the baby started talking, as if it was the baby itself, which is very confusing and very creepy. By the way, I—I I, I think this is probably the first show in a long, long while where babies were creepy. 
So the baby is extremely creepy. It's got like its <laughs> eyes are like <laughs> giant ass marbles, and its head just barely covered by its lids. It's got like Family Guy baby eyes. <laughs> well, I think baby talk. We just lost two viewers. Oh. <laughs> Moving on, but um. Yeah, but then the baby ends up flying off, saying that thank you for giving birth to me. I will come back to kill you. Blah blah blah. Yada yada. Then we find out that she was giving birth to twins, and the other baby came out. They brought birth, and they were uh, this older man that was saying that we need to kill him because he could also be evil too. But she said, that she, you know, no, he's gonna be the he's gonna be the light that saves us all. Um, we don't know what happened there because they cut off from there. We don't know what happened to the two children. We know one of them is out there by this point in his teens. I mean, um, I feel like it's not a coincidence that these two good and evil characters in the series are about the same age, look sort of similar to each other, and one's good and one's evil. So I imagine that that's why. I'm going to just say this right now. Like, if you're expecting new ideas, cut that out. <laughs> what do you mean new ideas? I'm saying that it's... No, what, I, what I'm saying is that characters. I guess if you're, if you're expecting, because stereotypical stereotypes, I think this anime, if I remember correctly, is very stereotypical. Like, I mean, good and uh-huh. evil twins, whatnot. I don't think there's going to be. I could be wrong because I don't know what happened in the original story. All I know is what mm-hmm. happened in the anime that first came out in Fox Kids all those years ago. And right. that we have a good, we have a good character set up by the end of episode two. We have a good character set up and a bad character set up. They're both shamans. Um. And they fight each other, and they're both surprised by how powerful they are and how one's making good work and one's making evil work. And that's about it. So obviously they're the babies. It just doesn't seem like I don't it could think be anything else. Rin, I don't think Rin, the guy you see in the fight in episode two, is the baby that was here. Because, like, the Rin is Rin. I don't think Ren, the guy you saw in episode two, is the baby that we saw in episode one. Because Ren doesn't look doesn't look like anything like yo. They, they look they look vastly different. Actually, Ren looks Chinese. If you really want to get specific. Well, he has a Chinese ghost. But I think he's supposed to be Chinese. I think even his name is up. I think, are, I think you, is, hmm? are you familiar enough with with um Asian history to know the rival between rivalry that exists between China and, and Japan? I know they don't like each other, but I don't know the specifics. They have I know at the very least, because I had a friend that was um throughout college. I'm still friends with her, but especially throughout college, I had a friend that was Chinese and one day like I was showing her an an anime and she just blew up on me and went on this big rampage about the Japanese and she ended up once she calmed down because she had like a temper that I only saw like four times in the entire time the entire 20 20 something years that I've known her but that was one of the times and like she gave me a bunch of things to look up like the rape of Nanking and basically from China's perspective Japan was basically Hitler. Like, that's the Asian Hitler was, like, Japan's forces. Um, 
and they they went into Nanking and did like a surprise attack on it and they were like throwing babies at the air and catching them on knives and something like tens of thousands of women were raped and things like that and that's why they call it the rape of Nanking because Nanking was the city that they swarmed over um and they just there's a huge angsty history that's still pretty fresh you know in the same way that Hitler comes up a lot you know in the U.S. um with them and like the same type of rivalry that we had with Germany even though we're kind of pretty unreasonably good with Germany right now and Japan for that matter um considering Pearl Harbor like China and Japan never really forgave each other and they have a lot of anger about bad blood between the two of them if you've ever seen um the movie uh Grave of the Fireflies by Studio Ghibli like there's a lot of lot outlined in there about Japan during that war because that takes place during World War II with Japan most of that fighting was like between Japan and China. Um, but anyway, it's, I think that that historical con- context is extremely important here because we have a, um, a Chinese ghost fighting a Japanese ghost, you know, and they're opposing warrior types that have fought each other on the battlefield. Many, well, I mean, I, want, I also want to bring up the fact that those two ghosts come from different eras. I want to say, I think Amitamaro is older than, well, I forgot his name. Is his name Vasara? I forgot his name. That's pretty close if it's not it. They come from different eras. I believe he is young. Wait, no, because China is an old country. So I, maybe Amitamaro is the younger one, I mm. think. I don't know. I know they come from two different eras, though, because like them fighting wouldn't be possible, considering that he's a warlord and he's a samurai. Yeah, but... <laughs> But yet, what they represent, do you know what I mean? There's a very yin and yang feeling about the about the idea of China and Japan being at war with each other in this anime that would have a lot of significance to a Japanese audience that, unless you have at least an inkling of that history, it would be lost on an American audience. So I felt like that also was kind of bringing up their rivalry. And I hate to use the term racism here, but like setting up the antichrist as taking a liking to Chinese characters, possibly being raised in China and having a Chinese warrior looking over him as his little angel over his shoulder, you know, with the other character having a Japanese quote unquote protector slash angel on angel on his shoulder. Quick question. Why? why, I guess my question for you is why are you so sure that Tao Ren is a little, why are you sure that Tao Ren is the, twin baby that was given birth because like they don't look any they don't look any uh they don't look at all similar they're about the same age they could be fraternal twins um it doesn't necessarily there could be a plot twist that we're going to find out later on why they don't look alike maybe they two parents or something we don't know yet but the plot line is like so set up for them to be yeah but those babies looked similar though they the actually looked similar they were twins they even yeah, but if, I forgot, if I forgot one went to China and was raised there, and the other one stayed in Japan, but yeah, they wouldn't they change. Different... They wouldn't. They wouldn't change facial orientation. They still look alike. The only thing that'd be different is just the clothing and how they spoke and how and how they, you know, and how they uh handle themselves. They wouldn't look physically different. I'm trying to see a picture of them during the battle so I can see them up against each other side by side see how drastically different they look from each other but i'm guessing being the antichrist 
would have at least some impact on your physical appearance. Help if I was on the right episode. I'm sitting here like coursing through episode one. Cause that's that's Tal Ren, and then Yo's last name is Asakura. It just seemed like a really fundamental plot point. I mean, yeah, but I don't think Their they're dealing with that right now. Such polar opposites, even with like how ambitious they are. And then later in episode two, you see him hanging out with the father character. So you, I would think the good one is at least the good one, given that the father character, like that was in the original series, is training him and older and has been trying to train him for four years, even though he has no idea what's going on. And the guy's really frustrated because. He's supposed to save the world, I imagine. I mean, they don't look crazy different. I'm looking at them next to each other right now. It's not like they're drastically different. I mean, I'm looking they're at different. both of them right now, and they look they like they're different enough to the point that they can't be siblings. They've got a similar skin color. They have a similar build. They have a similar age. They have a similar height. Um. Plus, their names are completely I mean, different. I think Tao Ren's a Chinese characteristic, too. I think he wrote that in Chinese, actually. Exactly. So if he was raised in China, like that could be part of the, the thing that makes them oppositional to each other. Okay, I, I don't I, think I was trying to prevent so me from having to say this. I, I know they're not. I know for a fact they're not siblings. Okay. Then I have to take your word for it. I was trying to prevent myself from having <laughs> to say that. I was... <laughs> Okay, I mean, they, I believe they don't but, look similar at all. That's the thing about it, because Ren, his eyes are yellow. Okay, but he's also the Antichrist. If he was, he's got Sith eyes. He's not the Antichrist. Another thing, <laughs> another another thing too. In this, in the in the um in the opening. You see that you see those two friendly with each other by the end of the, like the opening song. It's, it's quite clear that they're friends. I mean, it's even a little bit before that when they stand together, they're like he's helping them out. Like they don't they don't stay enemies for long, according to okay. that according to that intro. So they're just kind of like rivals, for the time being. Yes. He's pulling a Goku on him, saying, "Oh, I see good in you." Like you, like Goku did to Vegeta. Another thing too, I, if he if he happened to be the twin, you think Ren would have brought that up in their in their confrontation? He wouldn't have kept that secret. Uh, they don't necessarily know who each other. If they're twins and they were separated by different countries, they wouldn't necessarily know each other. Hey, what does Yellow Eyes got to do with the Antichrist? By the way, <laughs> um, well, it's just a simp like. It's very common in anime for a character's eyes to change once they go evil, like usually to red, but it's not unheard of for an evil character to have an eye color change. I mean, even amongst all this, I just know they're not related. They don't look alike. If anything, I think Ren's, I think Ren's skin tone is a little bit pinker than uh, Yo's, if anything. Okay. If you say so. I mean, I look at the wiki. So I don't know what they've been doing in the... Um... Yeah, his name is Basson. That's the name of his. Uh... I mean, if you happen to know, then the argument's over. Like, I can't, I can't argue with that. 
I'm just going to refresh my memory on a lot of this stuff right now in terms of what I do know about characters in that story. I, mean, I can see arguing, like, maybe they sent away, but the thing is, though, like, I mean, when that baby disappeared, it disappeared with its own volition. It didn't just get sent off. Okay, and it went to China. I mean, it's just not not impossible, that's all. If it went somewhere, it went somewhere, right? So just why not China versus anything else? I mean, I guess, actually, we get the... What's the creator's name? Anyway, I never knew this. Now, I always assumed the creator of Shaman King was a female, but I think I might be wrong on that one. I never looked this up. I need to really look this up. I need to know what that name is. I never did learn this. Manga is written and illustrated by Hiroyuki Takai. Oh, I thought this person was born in the 1990s. I was like, that's not possible. (laughs) (laughs) They have a kid that was born in the 1990s. Maybe the maybe the kid is the Antichrist. Oh. Just oh, dear. oh wow, this person's forty eight years old. Cool. Uh let's see here. Apparently this person's taking inspiration from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Never seen that. Blade of the Immortal, Hellboy. I do remember that he liked Hellboy or something like that. I do remember that. Was it he or she? Hold up. Created by early. His career. So it is a guy. Okay. Why I thought it was a female? Whatever. Glad I got that solved. <laughs> male, hmm. male creator. Don't know why I thought. Babies are babies. They all look the same to me. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, I guess with that, um, <laughs> I guess to sum up all that happened there, uh, very beginning episode, we see the we see the end of the world being born into the world disappears. We cut to a few years later, the twin of the evil. Baby is now, um, looks like, sounds like he just moved to that city that, uh, the guy he meets, Oyamina, the small man baby that you say you have problems with. Mm-hmm. The worst. I'm not gonna lie, he's very short and doesn't have a big head, I'm not gonna lie. I will say that I, I will, I will have to agree that his, his design did kind of weird me out. <laughs> But it's it's Japan, so I mean, hey. But uh, parents cram school, which by the way, get to how old this show is. Cram school still a thing. Uh, he's coming back from cram school. Cause he's been he's running late, trying to get to the train. Goes to the graveyard, knows he shouldn't go through there because of the rumor of ghost. Runs into yo, our main character, who's Prince, saying, "Why don't you stay a little bit, look at the stars with our friends?" And he's like, "Friends, you're here alone." All of a sudden, the entire graveyard lights up with dead people. <laughs> It's interesting how people seem to know that he can see them. No, they don't believe the people around them don't believe in ghosts. 
That's why no, no, it was so no, no, hard no. The for people him. that can see ghosts seem to know that he can also see ghosts. We saw two examples of that where like it just seemed like they just knew that he could see them. It's you can argue that that's not true and and make a really good case for it, but it seemed to hint that people that can see ghosts know when other people can see ghosts. I, I was gonna say it's probably just a shaman thing, but no, because all Yamada isn't a shaman, so um. I was but, guessing that like if you have the potential to be a shaman. I guess I don't remember any any if any if um any if he does have any potential in the series because I don't remember. I feel like hmm. he was just there if I remember correctly about him. They they identify him as like special for being able to see them. So, well, I mean, Yo says that if you can see ghosts, you're not a bad guy, which isn't really true because we know of the original. Uh, twin baby that he doesn't know about no he knows about him does he i don't know he doesn't i'm gonna assume he doesn't know because he doesn't mention him because he also he mentions doesn't the fact seem that he... like the type of person that talks about anything that he doesn't like this is true let's see the type of guy who doesn't really care for much at all uh mm-hmm. he wears goggles he wears headphones yeah carefully he wears he wears uh headphones listen to music half the time it doesn't seem like he's really ever present but uh, we learned from Ayamada, I think that's the reason like he has to do that so he can let Ghost, uh, he can let let Ghost possess him. But at the same time, he doesn't seem to mind it. Well, of course not. He's a he's a shaman. I think he I think he the way the when he first met Ayamada, he made he made it very clear that he doesn't mind being in grave grave sites and whatnot. <laughs> he seems to be the least a bit concerned about mortal life, and in the in the sense of like everybody else's. It's like he's more concerned that it's about helping his friends, quote unquote, the ghost that that he he's there to help pass on to the uh, afterlife, which uh, by this point, we also know that apparently people in this world believe in that because we wouldn't be talking about it in the show. <laughs> so. um, That's the other thing. Uh, at this point, Yo doesn't have a me tomorrow yet, but he does. They also make. um. They make sure you know that Miyamaro is in that graveyard because they show you his gravestone, which you don't know is his gra- gravestone until much later. When the guy with the pompadour hair ends up, uh, I think he throws soda on him, and Yoprins comes back and says that I have a friend who wants to talk to you. Let's him possess me. Whoops, whoops his butt, rips his hair off, uh, cuts his hair off, I should say, and he ends up running away. Which I think that's a running gag at some point, but I don't remember. <laughs> it would be fun if it was. I think I think he does constantly lose the tip of his hair, but uh, but yeah, he does come back. I remember that if I remember correctly. Um, not sure when, but I think he does come back. Uh, but okay. that premise like ends the uh, we get to the end of the episode. And he wants me tomorrow to accompany him. Me tomorrow says that you know he would like to, but he's waiting. He made a promise to a friend back when he was alive. He's gonna keep his promise. Uh, yeah, episode one seems like it's a lot of just like universe building, like where this is how spirits work, this is how a shaman works, this is what a shaman is, you know, and this is the property of that protagonist character that we seem to be following, the obnoxious blonde-haired kid. Um, but it seems like it's just basic universe building in the first episodes. Like we're not really even. I could definitely tell you really that I gotta like this character. <laughs> yeah, the. Uh, <laughs> They're setting up the universe, but like the conflict is set up in the second episode. 
they just want to show that he's competent in the first episode give him like a a jabroni you know someone easy to beat so that he can demonstrate his power and if there's anything i want to make a comparison to is like yo is actually a lot like goku but mm-hmm. just way more toned down like he is like this is goku if he was high i think it's the best way to put it <laughs> <laughs> he is very laid back Jesus. like this is goku if he was if he was high and the next care and the next character we get to do is vegeta if if he was on crack cocaine i don't know i really don't know mm-hmm. like he's very <laughs> uptight <laughs> vegeta on like espresso oh dear <laughs> dang it team four star why can't you give us vegeta on an espresso it'd be so wonderful But continuing on, um, next episode, after we had this entire situation, I promised to end it, cap it all off. Aminamaro managed to keep his promise because Yo ends up finding the ghost of his friend who is ironically tethered to the school because of the sword, the broken hammer, I mean, that's in the school, I guess is their, like, symbol for their school, I guess, I don't know. Don't know why it's there, but it's there, and Yo has apparently been keeping note of that, uh, Somewhere to the point where he goes, ends up going back, ends up letting him possess him. He finishes the sword, ends up giving it to Minamaro, who takes the spirit of the sword and adorns it to his side. So I think Minamaro just kills the sword. I guess is what happens there. Um, yeah, it looks like giving... he goes and builds the sword together and brings it up to him and says, here's your sword. And... I like that he um, sort of saves a soul there, and then you see all the other souls floating around, and you're like, "Wow, he's got a lot. Of, he's got a lot of work to do to save all these souls." Yeah, fortunately, he doesn't send any more souls to afterlife. <laughs> Not so far, but I mean, one in an episode is pretty good, and the other soul's going to be saved when he dies. Like the other guy looks like once he dies, he's got nothing that he needs to do in this world, so he'll be saved. So. He saved one, and he's banked one to save later after the guy helps him. I think that's a pretty good start. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just thinking, I got two souls to save, but one of them is is, is in the bank because I need to use him to become Shaman King. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what? <laughs> that guy waited 600 years. He can wait a little more. That's so stupid. But uh yeah, he ends up becoming his guardian spirit. So they, they and apparently it doesn't take much to die without your soul not at rest. I mean that guy was like, Hey, would you wait here for me? And he's like, Yeah, dude, I'll wait for you. And then he died. <laughs> he's like, I mean, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you. I mean, dying in this universe doesn't seem to take a lot to be you tethered. I know, right? And apparently yeah, like, you don't go The other guy's and, like, shit, I said I'd go back. I guess another thing too. A, a lot of the ghost rules that seem to apply in other universes don't seem to apply here too. Such as like if you stay in the human world and you're dead, um, you don't go evil, or something else doesn't happen to you, <laughs> or you get bound to hell at that point. Like none of that seems to apply here. You can just sit there for all you want, waiting for some friend to come back. Some sort of weird purgatory thing. So none of the rules for none of the normal rules apply here. <laughs> but um, yeah. First, we go in the next episode, and imagine if you like pulled into McDonald's and you ordered your food and you died before they gave it to you, and that was <laughs> it. You were just tethered to this world until someone delivered your order to you. 
I died here trying to get a Big Mac. <laughs> Damn it, I didn't want Chick-fil-A this bad. Jeez. Oh. <laughs> That's an inside joke for everybody that's involved who doesn't know. We're not gonna talk about it, but though inside We're joke. not. <laughs> but uh oh. But um essentially uh the next episode we uh we see Yamada taking that um taking that route through the graveyard because now he's cool with it because he's friends with the ghost there. And uh-huh. Thinking we're gonna thinking we're gonna see yo, we end up seeing another character who Jock has officially adorned the Antichrist. Well Ari um I know I know for a fact that he isn't. <laughs> but um I'm not gonna say any more than that. But uh pretty much his name is Talren. He ends up telling him that I'm looking for the boy with the samurai ghost. And Ayamada brings up things back to saying that like yo says that nobody who can see ghosts is bad. Mm-hmm. At at this point in the series, we've completely gotten strike out because that's not true. This guy seems very evil. <laughs> at yeah. least from the onset, we can clearly see in the intro though he ends up becoming friends with him at some point. Not sure when, but uh, that's one thing I would say I don't like about that intro is the fact that they really shouldn't be showing a lot of that. They should wait until like they come up in the show before we can see them in the intro yeah, it's funny but i started watching the intro and i thought it was giving too much away and i i like stopped watching the intro so the stuff that you were telling me about the intro like i d- intentionally didn't watch the intro or the or the outro because i wish you told me that so i wouldn't have said anything <laughs> no it's fine i, 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 I would have just like, like i would have just active. i would have just uh, t- uh, taken the frustration i would have had and just waited <laughs> it looked like it was packed with spoilers so I tried to avoid it once I, I watched a little bit of it and I'm like, no, this is giving too much away. And then I let it go. And I was like, I'll watch it when I'm deeper in the, the series. They could have done what Hunter Hunter did was I think wait until like the episode was over and then show the intro. But I don't know. I forgot mm-hmm. what they did to circumvent that. But, um, personally, Tyron is telling I'm looking for the boy with a, with a samurai ghost. And this is, I want to like, I want to, I want to talk with him. And Prince tells, "Yo, do you know? Do you know of another shaman that uh, that um that has a Chinese ghost?" And Yo's like, "No, I don't, I don't know anybody like that." Cut forward to later at night, they get confronted. Um, well, first they see that they see the uh, they see the kid again, and he's getting well, he's about to get mugged because he decides to walk in front of a car as they're on the street. <laughs> Classic Vegeta, but uh. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, essentially, he says like you're um you're you're this is an eyesore. You're an eyesore. You're you're killing all the. I forgot what he says about the stars, but it seems the complete opposite of what Yo's idea of the stars was. But um, mm-hmm. you're making it impossible to see the stars. You need to die, and stuff like that. And as he's about to kill him, pretty much Yo stops him, and his friend is saying that if you want to talk, I'll, I'm willing to talk. They have a conversation. He's and he says just lays it out on the line. Says I want your ghost. Yo says no, you're not gonna have him. This is my friend. That takes him off, saying that ghosts are nothing but tools to shaman, mm-hmm. and uh, they go through this entire ordeal with like, is it right to use a ghost as as a tool, or is it right to have be friends with your your ghost? And Prince Ren says that it's impossible. They have a fight. Ren overpowers him because like Ren has the ability. And they, I don't know they who the H. I don't know who the T H G O nine is, but that guy is a. As an, as an a-hole. Why? What happened? Well, last episode quoted something that I said. Oh. I want your ghost. Jeez. Whoa, the ghost but, uh, is the most. 
Dang it. Okay, um, they have a fight, clearly overpowers them. And he says, like, like if you try to be friends with a ghost, you're not going to be able to use, utilize. And obviously, superior ghost is full, is full abilities. Dang it, that's probably a stupid monocle. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> but, um... Essentially, he says that like, you can't you can't do this because I can do it because I'm using my ghost as a tool. Uh, I'm not trying to be friends with it. And they have a fight. They go back and forth. Pretty much at the, by, at the end of the fight, fixed to, to to summarize it all, Yo ends up going 100% with his ghost and ends up using a skill that I guess he couldn't use beforehand and ends up uh, beating Yo uh, beating uh, Tao Ren and this upsets him greatly. And he ends up uh, going. He ends up walking away with with his pants on, thankfully, because his shirt got ripped off. <laughs> Yeah, the characters like to. I don't understand the pretense that like people just casually go shirtless or with their shirt wide open in this series, like on the reg. Like you see it in the class, like they're walking into a classroom and like you see the big guy in the background just no shirt on, and then I'm like, oh my god, I, I thought they were gonna tell him to put his shirt on or something, and then they're like, we'd like to introduce you to a new student. The kid walks out and he's got his shirt unbuttoned, and I'm just like, why? Why is this okay? Like, and is this a cultural thing I'm missing or something? Like, why is everybody? The, it's a it's a delinquent style. Yo is supposed to look like a delinquent. And I mean, even like with, during the fight and stuff like that, like they they show that like his pants are low enough where his like groin line is starting to show, and I don't know how old that kid's supposed to be, but I think it's underage. It's really creepy. Yeah, I try not to look that deep into it because, like, I just like the show. I, I like the concept of it at this point. And that's really all I really care about. Character designs well, I mean, and character we've seen designs. Other things like showing Froppy's butt and then the episode before this one and stuff like that was like a little uncomfortable when you think that she's fourteen. You know, stuff like that. Like they they do it plenty, but it's just like some of the moments here. It's hard to like to suspend disbelief that they can just walk around with their shirt looking like that. But it, I guess if it's like a stylized choice then that makes a little more sense. I'm used to, because I've seen a lot of animes that they have that, I mean, for crying out loud, like, I, they don't do, as far as I know, I don't think there's a character like this in this show, but there are, there's, a, there's, a, there's a type, uh, there's a stereotype of a, of, a, of a teenage girl called a gal, and they're supposed to be like tan girls who have a lot of piercings over in Japan. It's like a style that girls like to choose. And I believe mm-hmm. it's, it was a style that, that came over there because um, it was it was mimicking girls over here. So, okay. um it was one of those things. That's one of those, it's, a, it's a choice that a lot uh, that a lot of times school kids adopt. Um, it's like one of the things like, why you see like uh, one of the things about like uh, like one of the things you want to talk about like is the, the designs of characters, along with Froppy, Uraraka, even Yayoroso, Their bodies are developed to the point where it's appealing to look at versus you're questioning how old they are, because they obviously don't look the age. Because if um, I think you say that, but I, I knew a girl in sixth grade who was fully developed and it was really weird. But um eh. <laughs> Hi Jeremy. I assume you're reading chat. Yeah, see this is getting creepy. That's why I'm gonna move on to that. Yeah, so this is getting creepy. That was the last thing he said. Ah, uh, okay. But, uh, we'll see here. Well, whatever, Eliza uh, Bar. 
after that fight, they pretty much Yo wins that fight and literally gets himself killed. He ends up collapsing because during that fight, he ends up having a flashback to when he was a kid. And okay. as a kid, he seems to be, I guess, not more than less unchanged. He isn't as carefree. I'm going to take that back. <laughs> I guess he's more or less unchanged as a, as a, as a little kid. But um, he essentially doesn't want to be a shaman. This is quite clear. He doesn't want to be a shaman. He doesn't like all the training. He just wants to. He just wants to stay home and play video games. It's like that. He doesn't want to have a job and whatnot. Uh, which is, I guess the normal is I don't really understand too about his character. He seems his character seems extremely lazy, and that that much has changed as he's become a teenager. But um, I guess it's one it's one of those things that they just, that is carried on with his character. Uh. It's quite clear that he's adept at using, you know, using spirits uh, in their full power and whatnot. He's a good shaman, based on what we can see. Uh, I wonder, like, what power level? If there's power levels in this in this universe with shamans, if there's if there's like an energy that you have to use. I would imagine their power depends on the spirits they harness and their skill and their like skill to integrate. And probably factors that have not been introduced in the anime yet. Possibly. I don't remember much about this show and how the fights go. Um, yeah, they had a flashback. We see a lot of Yo's motivation. He ends up, act, at least based on the flashback, he ends up forgetting about this whole Shaman King thing and ends up waking up realizing that he wakes up in the hospital bed after all Yamada and Amitamaru are like scared that he's dead. <laughs> Especially mm-hmm. Amitamaru. <laughs> That man's dead. He's worried about you being dead. Jeez. But, um... <laughs> but, uh... Essentially, uh, Yana, like, later during the house, he wakes up, he puts his headphones back on, and he's saying, oh, yeah, Shaman King. I forgot about that. And then, episode two ends with the introduction of another character. Introducing the first female character of Shaman King, Yo Asakura's fiance. I forgot her name. I think her name's Anna? Yeah, I think that sounds right. Anna. And Ayama, uh, the guy, the, the the dwarf dude, ends up saying, "Who? I don't know who you think you are. They got the wrong room. You know, get out of here." And she slaps him across the room and says, "Don't you ever talk to me like that? I'm Yo's, I'm Yo's fiance." And I was like, and then they ended right there. And I'm like, yeah, huh. So at this the last point, minute plot twist is real, right? I don't know if it's a kind of plot twist. I'm more say that that's just like random care they decided to throw in and give her some importance. They decided that she's supposed to marry him. <laughs> well, it's it's a plot twist if you consider how untethered the character is. And now all of a sudden he's got something tying him down. You ever thought about that? The whole, the whole essence of the character is that like everything falls off of him, you know? I mean, well, based on the how she walked in with that bag, it seems like he's been running away from her for a while. <laughs> I, I imagine it's more like wandering away, but yeah. <laughs> I, well, see it more like I see him even tied down. She hasn't, you know? she hasn't really tethered him down yet. I, um, based on at least how she walked in, it seemed like she was like, it's about time I found you, type of thing, the way she wandered in. Mm-hmm. She didn't. Even, she didn't even announce herself. She just kind of walked in and just said, "Like, why are you doing laying on your on your backside?" Like, I guess another comparison I can make is, "That's Chi Chi." 
But if Chi Chi yeah. ha- had more backbone, <laughs> totally Chi Chi. Scarily Chi Chi, but um, yeah. But she walks in and she introduces herself, and that's about it. Uh, don't remember much about her. Um, based on again the intro, she has pearls. I guess as her weapon. Don't know what that does. So I really don't know what her significance towards Yo, other than that there's an arranged marriage. And she seems fine with it. I guess another thing too, she seems really fine with being being in an arranged marriage. I guess she doesn't really care. Maybe that's another thing why she's with Yo. She doesn't care herself. Mm-hmm. I guess she can be carefree in her own way. I guess we'll learn more about that in episode three, I guess, because that's where they're hopefully going to pick up. Yeah, she Unless seems just more stubborn about the the marriage than anything, I think. So. Obviously, like, we've found a new version of Arrival that she's going to be like, you know, ah, ah. and Chi-Chi, like, <laughs> I did immediately think of Chi-Chi. I mean, I already thought about Chi-Chi because it's just like the whole wife thing and main character and on the marriage that either they didn't agree to or they didn't or they don't want <laughs> mm-hmm. in Goku's case he accidentally agreed to a marriage don't know what happened with Yo and her <laughs> it's in the 14 I believe like you said so at some point their parents must have like arran- found this was a random marriage or something like that uh, and based on where this show is probably placed in timeline it probably makes sense that there be arranged marriages for kids that young too so Eh. But I think that's about it for that. Uh, that was the review for both series. I can't wait to watch more Shaman King, because I've been waiting for this reboot since I heard about this reboot a year or two ago. That's mostly what I'm excited for, because I I, I want to see what the original story was about. Because I know, according to the creator, he wasn't happy about the original take on the series. So we'll figure what happens there. Most people probably say that a creator, a, a creator getting involved with a series is a bad thing, but I don't think so. Phil Malcolm has turned out pretty good. What turned out good? Uh, Phil, Phil Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, the reboot to the original FMA. If you may, you may. Guess with that, I'm going to end the podcast <laughs> here. Because I don't know how to segue from that. Hey, uh, uh, Game Hunter. You think frappy mm. tastes like chicken? I don't know. I don't eat frog legs. In this case, definitely won't be eating frog legs. I was trying to give you a segue to immediately end of stream. <laughs> yeah, didn't work. Apparently not. You're like intriguing. <laughs> I had frog wings, uh, frog wings, frog legs on my, uh, and my honeymoon with Jesse just because we had a place that served them and I thought that was interesting and they tasted like they smell and it was disgusting. I don't think they were made right, but they tasted terrible. But we're ending the stream now. <laughs> <laughs>